computer. Hey, there he is. Damn, dude. What's up? What's up, man? Ah, uh, not much. Mostly busy, actually. So. Well, you're working again now, right? Oh, dude, you have no idea. Sounds good, though. You were. It is. Pretty, it is. You were you, pretty unhappy about lack of that for a while there. So. Yes. Yes. Now I have too much work, and it's pretty good. And you know, you wouldn't even think there was like a pandemic going on, which is also a good thing. So. Yeah. I'm. I'm not complaining, man. I don't know what Justin's doing. He might be like driving, so he'll probably that's drop what, in. Yeah, that's what he said. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just doing a little bit of uh, quick research here before. Wow, it amazes me how cheaply these movies were made back then compared to now. Holy shit! Yeah, and uh, the quality was pretty good too. Yeah, well, we'll talk about that. I mean, I I have a I have a thought on that. I mean, it's sure. you're right. Right, the quality is higher than I would expect, but yes, I think there's reasoning for that as well. Um, okay, so we will uh, we'll give Justin a little bit. So we might. Um, I wanted to run by you guys the uh, the list of people I have photo ops with at the thing in Vegas. I figured of anybody, you and Justin would appreciate that the most. Well, who's coming? Oh, it's a lot of people. It's just some of the some of the really, really, really big names drop out of it. Ah, uh, well, because I mean, there's still some like Jerry Ryan's going to be there, Shatner, Takai's going to be there, um, uh, Spiner's going to be there. Uh, as far as um, I'm trying to think, as far as uh, big Deep Space Nine names, I mean Terry Farrell. I guess yeah. uh, Andrew G. Robinson. Um, yeah, he's a must. He's a must, man. Oh, yep, he's on my photo list. Uh, Jerry Ryan and uh, Andy Robinson are a must. Yeah, uh, Garrett Wang. Oh, dude, yeah. Oh, the other one backed out of it. They were both going to be there. Both the Delta Flyers. Ah, uh, the uh, yeah, Robert Duncan McNeil. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, dude. If I ever get to meet both of them at the same time i'll i'll lose my shit so <laughs> yeah oh i i like them they're you turn off here no it's fine it doesn't show up um can you you can't hear my uh air conditioner going can you it's not causing problems no really i got background noises on my own that okay i hope are not a bother i've done a bunch of them i've done a bunch of them with that i don't think it's a problem but yeah. just in case it was because um, I'm on the on an island. I'm in this town that has the only gas station on the island, so all the vehicles pass right down my window. All right, there we go. Justin. So yeah, if you hear like any trucks or anything, it's unavoidable. He's gonna start, he's gonna start swearing at people. <laughs> nah. <laughs> I do okay. that with my inside voice. This the actual. Oh, this is the, okay. So here's my my list of. Uh, Actors that I have photo ops with. Armin Shimmerman. Nice. Uh, Garrett Wong. Um, Jeffrey Combs. Yeah, oh, man. Jeffrey, yeah. Must. Yep. John DeLancey. Uh, Terry Farrell. Um, Marco Limo. Who I yep. also 
Yeah, Ducat, man. Rap from Discovery. Who? Uh, Andrew Robinson. Uh, uh, Connor Turnier and Dominic Keating together. Oh, dude, yeah. Because they, they do that, I guess. Um, um, they were good friends, kind of. On Brent, the Brent Spiner. Brent Spiner on a recreation of the Ten Forward set. Oh, wow. dude, yeah. And they also have, they're going to have a recreation of the, uh, of the Enterprise, original Enterprise Bridge where they're going to have some of those people doing photo ops. I might do that one too, but I didn't do that in advance. So. But yeah, well, it's a good list. It's a good yeah, list. I figure it's, and you know, we're going to, Corey wants to blow them up maybe and, uh, and uh, get some of them framed or whatever. He was having connection problems, so he just went. Uh, okay, so let's get to our main event then. This would be uh, Welcome to the B-Team Podcast. My name is John Macy. I am joined today by Boris. Yo. And possibly Justin Ayotte. He was in for a little bit and dropped out, so he might come back. Um we are here to do our latest uh, Star Trek retrospective review. This time we are doing our first movie, actually, uh, Star Trek Insurrection. Um, and for those who are unaware, uh, my reason for picking this one was you had mentioned on a prior show that you like this one more than most people. Um, so I wanted, to, I wanted to get into that because in, in a lot of ways... I look at this one as a uh, kind of a – it's not a bad movie. It's just kind of a an extended episode of television in my book. I won't, I won't disagree with you, but I think there's some uh, – there are a few uh, moments in the movie that I don't think would have been – I mean, they made them after the TNG ended, so I don't think they would have made them – turned them into, uh, you know, they would – Put him as part of the show, so right. Well, we'll discuss make, them later. The moment I would, make, I would make the argument that one of the and maybe this maybe this works in the the next generation to the next generation films benefit in terms of like budget and stuff. Uh, I think Paramount at the time, and probably with the original movies as well, uh, Paramount at the time probably viewed these as extensions of a television show. So they didn't, they didn't put as much money and effort behind these as they would eventually the J.J. Abrams films, which yeah. were actually made with like $150 million budgets. But I mean, with in comparison, I mean, no movies were made with those kind of budgets back then unless it was like some ridiculous epic thing like Waterworld or whatever. Okay, Waterworld is, uh, I think it's an over-exaggeration because it was the, you know, the uh, most expensive movie at the time made. Yeah. But I would also argue that the original series movies are much better in some regards than the TNG movies. I think that's true, yes. I think I think there's only one uh, next-gen movie that can stand with the original films, and it's not this one. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, I'd make I'd make the argument for First Contact, but that's the only one I would try to make. Um, 
Yeah, you could. Uh, yeah, I would also argue that you could have made the uh, Star Trek Generations. That could have been an hour and a half episode. Yes, that very much could have been. Um, I mean, I mean, if they had put that on TV, I think it would have had a much better impact than it had as a movie. Even though as a movie, it had a large impact because of the whole uh, Kirk and uh, Picard meeting thing. Yeah, I mean, I think we'll. It's entirely possible we'll end up doing all of the these movies down the road. I mean, we have, definitely have two more. We're still doing Khan and Undiscovered Country at some point. We just haven't. Uh, that was something we had planned on doing while Brent was gone, and we sort of ignored all the stuff we had planned for that. Um, so let's get into the particulars of this one, at least. This was uh, Star Trek Insurrection was directed by Jonathan Frakes and was released in the United States. I don't know when you saw it. it I released- saw it on DV. I saw okay. it, actually. I saw it the first, for the first time, actually, a few years ago. Okay. It was released yeah, in the United States on December 11th, 1998. Um, I remember this. I mean, I just looked up the release date, but I also remember uh, personally my that's all. That's the weekend or the week where my birthday falls. My birthday is December 14th, and every year around my birthday, all my buddies and I would go to some movie or other, and okay. it, just, it just happened to be this one. Um, for the year of my 21st birthday. So, you know, when uh, I'm a big enough nerd where what what were all my, like, high school uh, contemporaries doing when they turned 21? Going out to bars. I was going out for pizza and a Star Trek movie when I turned 21. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm done with that, man. Yeah. So this, as I said, released December 11th of 1998, uh, the third Next Generation movie. Uh, apparently the budget for this was $58 million, which at the time would have been a, a fair amount of money for something like this. What surprised me was this was rated PG. Were they all that? I don't think they were. I don't know, man. I think, I don't know. I, I mean, there wasn't, I mean, there was some violence and maybe some sexual overtones, but... Right. I don't think it was necessarily, you know, PG thirteen. I mean, PG still stands for parental guidance. So. But I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't be shocked if First Contact and Nemesis were PG thirteen. Yeah, 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 definitely yeah. First Con. I mean, let's face it, Borg is just too, too, too creepy. So in all yeah, the ways, I yeah. I and mean, when you had the whole thing with the data, it just, you know, goes over the top. I mean, not over the top, it just. Just drives that point home more clearly, I guess. Yep. He survived Walmart. Welcome, Justin. Yeah, sorry about that. I walked in and lost the connection, and they didn't have what I was looking for anyway. (laughs) 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 Oh, shit. Okay, well, this is a a co-host combination we've never had before. So, yay. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay. Um, I will try to run through the plot as quickly as humanly possible. Uh, we open on a sort of a, I hesitate to use the word backwater, but that's kind of all I can think of. We open on a backwater planet of like, I, I always kind of jokingly called them space hippies. Uh, they're just kind of, 
I would save that term for someone else, man. Yeah, actually, that fits more a couple of things in the original series, really. But so that you just find like that we open on like this farming community where you know there's people hanging out doing like agrarian shit, and you you find uh, data pops out like wearing this uh, thing that makes him invisible, and so he starts firing a phaser off into this into this village and people are running away and he uh he doesn't say, or he's like the dialogue is very minimal it's all like internal process type stuff and uh he reveals a what they call a duck blind where the federation is observing these people um for reasons that we will what the hell are you doing oh sorry <laughs> i was opening up something okay for reasons that we'll get to. Um, so there's... A, was there actually a Federation ship there? Or was it all partnered with those Sona people? Because I don't think there was Yeah, another. yeah. Uh, there was uh, later on we discovered... And it definitely has something to do with data. But uh, remember uh, last time we, we had the Star Trek uh, review, we also talked about data being uh, taken over by an unknown force. Mm-hmm. This, uh, this beginning kind of ties into that episode also because we get to explore uh, that scenario again in a div- in a much more violent way actually because taking over yes. the enterprise is one thing and then you know shooting at innocent people yep, who may or may not have access to warp drive is a completely different thing. Yep, the thing in Brothers was completely nonviolent. He just did it. Um, so. Then we cut to the Enterprise doing like a diplomatic function. Um, and Picard they, being bored. To answer your question, um, there wasn't a Federation ship. It was like an outpost thing. And um, the guy who was in charge of the mission was on the ship of um, those people that, sh- that they stretched the faces out. Right. Oh, uh, yeah. The so, uh, Baku. Ship. But there was a, but there was a like an outpost thing, one of those like invisible outpost things. Right. So we cut Sona to the Enterprise. Baku are the people on the planet. Sona are the Adaruafo and the gang. Right. So we cut to the Enterprise diplomatic function. Uh, the the Dominion stuff is mentioned a couple times for context. Yep. This movie was released in the middle of. This movie was released in the middle of the final season of Deep Space Nine. So the Dominion War is still going on at this point. Um, this is one thing where I wish, and we'll get into this later, where we talk about, because uh, I've seen this movie probably 10 times over the years. And last night, as Corey and I were watching it, I think I realized what my central issue with the movie is, and we'll get to that later when we, get, when we discuss the finer points. Okay. Um, but... Uh, the one th- and then so Warp shows up there. This is the movie where they don't even bother to try to explain it. He's just there. Yeah, he's um, just there. Yeah. He, what I found funny is like in the middle of a war, Cisco lets him leave Deep Space Nine and go there for some diplomatic bullshit, <laughs> and then he gets roped into whatever else they do. Um, so they're contacted about Data going nuts. Uh, the guy, the admiral guy, Admiral Dougherty, I believe was his name. I just kept calling him Admiral. I just kept calling him Admiral Dickhead. Um, yep. Yeah, it's dark. Yep. I'll go with that. 
like I said, I just kept calling him Emerald Dickhead. Um, <laughs> he, he asks for uh, Data's schematic information, which it's not entirely clear to me they ever gave him that or not. Uh, Picard just goes, yeah, I don't really trust that. We're going to go ourselves and figure out what this is. So they get there, and, you know, Dowry's been telling them, oh, yeah, these people on this planet have our people hostage, and they're going to kill them and whatever. And they get there, and it's just these, like, farming people just, like, being totally cool with these Federation people. And Picard's just like, what the hell is all this? Um, And you you find out as it goes on that... um, the, that something tripped uh, Data's like ethical subroutines in the sense of like something hit him and he he went back to like base function of like self preservation. Um, so they find out that the Federation has a giant holodeck spaceship there. Like it's what are, are you doing, okay, buddy? What are, what are you doing? Are you eating? Is it tacos? <laughs> yeah, I, I was being a sandwich. Sorry. <laughs> um, so they discover a giant, a giant holodeck spaceship there that, you know, the card figures out, and they go into it, and it's basically a hol- holographic recreation of the Baku village. Yep. And Picard says, "Why would they do? Why would we do this?" And then he realizes, "Oh." Somebody and you know they know that they're working with these Sona people who are like these kind of disgusting aliens that have a bunch of plastic surgery uh, for reasons they never really get into why. Um, and so you know Picard goes, "Why? Why would they want to do this?" And then they realize, "Oh, they're gonna like put these people on this spaceship while they don't while they're sleeping and take them off the planet." But why? Um, so the whole thing just becomes like a, you know, there's a lot of philosophical debate, like, why are they, why are they doing this? And you find out that, um, this is a ring planet like Saturn. And you find out that there's radiation in the rings that, uh, causes constant like cellular regeneration. So people don't age. It implies that it actually reverses aging to a degree. Um, because I think one of the guys there said, you know, he's probably like 40. And he says, I was much older when we first got here. But then that started to reverse. Yeah, it's like uh, a Benjamin Button. That's yeah, I mean, I, I think they said it stopped at a certain point. Like, you would just be in your prime forever. You'd be like perpetually 25 years old. Um, Basically like hey, Superman well, on Earth. Well, yeah. I hope it stops yep. at 25 because nobody likes you when you're 23. That's true. Yeah, I was an asshole at 23. <laughs> Most people are, I think. Uh, I wasn't an asshole un- until I ter- turned 30, so you never know. Well, maybe it works differently in Europe. I don't know. <laughs> Most Americans t- are assholes when they're like 25. <laughs> um, oh, you'd be surprised. So you find out that the the Federation led by Admiral the the Federation contingent led by Admiral Dickhead. Um, they want to uh, take the, and they're doing this with, in partnership with the Sona because the Sona have the only technology that can accomplish it. They want to take the radiation out of the planet's rings and use it to like 
extend lifespans and re- and redefine how medicine works and all these kinds of things, um, which is an interesting idea. But the consequence of that is that the Federation has decided to help the Sona relocate the Baku without their knowledge. They're just going to dump them on another planet, hope they don't notice the difference. And then by the time they do, maybe it's too late and they've already done everything they need to do to, to make this radiation thing work for them. Yeah, which uh, is very unusual for Federation. So very suspicious well, kind of behavior, in my opinion. Yes, it is. Uh, Plus, they kind of did it on TNG. Was it TNG or was it Deep Space Nine with Worf and his stepbrother? Uh, you mean, you mean oh, oh, the the holograph thing? That was uh, Homeward. That was tail end of TNG. Where they, yeah, in the last season, right? His human, his human foster brother was living among that group of aliens, and oh. they had to they had to relocate them, and they stuck him on a holodeck. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so yeah, it yeah, was yeah. similar to that, actually. I didn't when really say that. When you said Worf's brother, at first I was thinking, uh, uh, what's his not name? Kern, not Kern. Yeah. <laughs> oh, not, not, not just you. I, I immediately thought of Kern as well, and then I went, oh, yeah. that one. But yeah, I forgot his, his uh, stepbrother, uh, Roshenko. I forgot Paul the first name. Um, so, yeah, obviously this, uh, this makes Picard very angry. Uh, he real he's like, that's betraying what the Federation stands for. We can't do that. Um, and they just, uh, Dougherty and the Sona guy, his name is Ruapo, right? Played by F. Murray Abraham, who was yep. great, by the way. Uh, yes. say what you will about, you know, whatever you might say about this movie. I never questioned his actual performance in this yeah, role. He, yeah, he's probably if not the standout, one of the standouts of this mo- of this kind of yeah. bland movie. Other than the screaming bit, I could have done without that. Wow. Yeah, but you know. But compared to most of the rest probably. of it, he was pretty he was pretty good. It's probably um, what the script called for. <laughs> so I mean, you know. Yeah, it just it got really annoying when the end of every trailer for this movie for six months had that scream on it. Uh <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, so, so, uh, Picard decides to, uh, essentially walk away from the Federation, right? And he, he, I mean, he doesn't go through the process. He doesn't like contact Starfleet and go like, fuck you or anything, Mm -hmm. which I kind of wish he'd done. Um, but like, he kind of like steps away from the uniform and he and Worf and Data and Crusher and Troy go down to the planet and try to help the Baku relocate uh, long enough for them to figure out a way to get the, to stop the radiation collector thing. Well, basically Uh, the whole, uh, I think it's in this one, like they have that meeting down in the, in the um, uh, shuttle bay or whatever. Is it in this one or is that Nemesis where they all meet together and yeah, no, no, it's this one because uh, Riker takes face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, yeah. Yep. So it's, it's this one. Yeah, and they all pretty much, the command crew all pretty much like threw away Starfleet for the moment to go like save these people that obviously this, you know, admiral that, you know, is, you know, doing something wrong, um, you know, not abiding by his orders essentially. So they all kind of, I mean, I know it's Picard at first, but pretty much they all like join him. 
Oh yeah, yeah, no, but, yeah. Because uh, from the way I saw it, uh, Admiral says the Starfleet Council is behind him, but that's always kind of up for debate or up in the mm-hmm. air because it's never really made clear whether they really are or not. Yeah, which is also I, which is well, also think, strange in some capacity. Well, I think towards I think towards the end, um, they kind of like figure out that um, the Federation Council didn't really know the scope of what they were supposed to do and it didn't even look like the admiral uh was aware of the scope of what these people wanted to do or any of the family history and stuff like that so i mean you know i guess it's kind of up to for debate if they were actually behind it or not (laughs) yeah which is very unusual for federation and you know parties involved which also you know i like how they show the capacity and the authority uh, duties of what the captain of a starship can do and should be doing yeah yep so that group goes down to the planet and helps the baku people relocate to some caves where they couldn't be picked up yeah um, and then Riker and Jordy stay on the Enterprise and buy them time, basically fighting the Sona off. Um, and then they find out after uh, the Sona had previously refused to be examined by Crusher for you know for reasons that, that you don't find out at first. Then you discover that um, the Sona actually were members of the Baku people who were essentially thrown out and that this whole thing was a, you know, not only the Sona don't really give a shit about the, the radiation part of it. They just want to kill these people. Um, so the whole thing becomes like, and this is where one of my biggest issues with this movie was yeah, where the Federation essentially gets a pass because they unknowingly stepped into like a civil war. And I felt like with what this movie sets up, like you go by the promotion, what the early parts of this movie set up, we'll get into more of this later. I just felt like this was the laziest way to go because, you know, I can see it. I can see it because when you realize that they, they were basically teenagers when they rebelled against their parents and they, you know, never actually grew up, it yeah. kind of makes the whole thing like, you know, that's it. You know, there's no, there's no substance. Yeah. yeah. Well, I like that part of it. What bothers me is more like this entire movie and all the promotion leading up to it especially if you lean into more of what the universe as a whole was doing at this time. Like, yeah. And maybe I'm noticing this more because as I've said on other shows, Corey and I are doing a deep space nine rewatch right now. We are right. We're a couple episodes away from where this movie would have been, which is why I suggested we do this now. Cause I was about to watch it anyway. Um, <laughs> but if you had leaned into where this, the universe was at this time, like, you could have had that. I was expecting this whole subplot of, like, you know, the Federation just kind of look like dopes here because, like, this Admiral guy doesn't do enough of his homework to know, like, oh, hey, this guy, this Ruafo guy seems to hate them for reasons more than, oh, I just want this radiation so everybody can be perpetually 30 years old. Um, 
they could have done this whole thing. They could have done this whole thing where, like, you know, maybe that that was still going on. Like, there was still that blood feud between these two people, but the Federation still, like, goes through with it because, I mean, you could have made the argument they're losing the Dominion War at this point. I mean, if you if you're watching Deep Space Nine at this point, you know they're they're losing this giant war that they view as like this existential threat. So, like, for me, for that to for the tone of that to be kind of wrecked by like this idea of like, oh well, I guess I'm this high ranking admiral guy who had no clue this was going on. Aren't we a bunch of dopes? Um, well, I think Card even uh, mentioned that they're uh, pretty close to losing the Dominion War or something. I think I yeah. think there's a conversation. Either he says it or the admiral. I can't really remember which one said it, but I know they mentioned like not Ruffo doing so well in the Dominion War. That, yeah, Rafo says that between the Borg from First Contact and the Dominion, the Federation's on death watch, basically. Yeah, yeah but yeah, I think but- I think with uh, with the Federation in general at this time, um, it's I mean it's not out of the realm of possibility that they would sense uh, an admiral like this to go do some shady shit like this, just because it just kind of seems like the Federation at this point towards the end of Deep Space Nine with the Dominion and everything, they seem yep. to be kind of going on the shady side anyway, especially with like, uh, uh, was it Section 30 or Section 38? There actually is a, Justin, thank you for bringing that up. I, I know the, and Boris, we talked about before how the the novels are not canonical in any way, which they're not. But I gener- I generally consider them to be that until something in the show something in the shows tells me they're not. Like Yeah. Un- well, well, we I talked think about that see, last time. Yeah. Yeah, well I think we're gonna see these new novels that I think either came out that are coming out in the fall, I think. I, I think those are gonna kinda figure out what is I guess canon and what's not canon. Well they they've done a bunch of stuff you know, before the idea of the Picard show was a thing, they did. They basically went to Paramount and said, are you guys ever going to do anything with any of this shit again? And they were like, no. And no, not, so then they decided to do a bunch of Enterprise, Voyager, TNG, and Deep Space Nine books set after the series ended. So they moved the stories forward a bit. And this, these this trilogy of books they have coming out in the fall are either going to put an end to that, or I think it's going to make it a separate timeline where they can just keep doing whatever. But, um, but yeah, the you, point sorry, dude, but uh, you have to understand that these were basically just teenagers who rebelled, went off world, or were thrown yeah. off world, and then basically they kind of never grew up. Yeah, way. yeah, so got the like whole, a Peter Pan syndrome. Yeah, and the whole yeah. plot revolves around Federation doing things, you know, out of necessity and you know uh survivalism yeah i just kind of thought it was a lame way to go for the it was lazy for sure the federation to suddenly be like oh well yeah i guess we had no idea that these people were really doing this for this reason we're a bunch of idiots um yeah to me that's suspicious as hell man like yep federation not knowing they knew but like somebody you know just went on with it who we never found out I think the more interesting way to go, given how dark Deep Space Nine makes a lot of things, would have been, yes, we're fully aware of this, but we don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. You know, yeah. The, the larger the larger gain of this is worth that. 
Um, and in fact, as Justin said, in a universe where Section 31 exists, that's exactly what they should have done. Uh, in fact, the novels postulate that the the holographic spaceship was given to that guy by Section 31. Huh. So, Wouldn't surprise me, yeah. Makes sense, yeah. too, in a way. But, you know, it, it'll just remain a mystery, I guess. Yep. One other thing I found a little jarring, and I mean, I don't... I don't object to the humor in this film. It's there's obviously a, a, a coordinated attempt to go a little lighter here than uh, first contact went, for example. But I just found the whole thing sort of jarring because like there's stretches where they're trying to be like sitcom funny. And then it's got this really dark central plot where they're like forcibly relocating people and like yeah, it's raising this goes toward your uh, theory how this would have been a much better TV sh- uh, TV episode because they were just trying to fill in the time. Yeah. Well, I think the I think the humor comes in because they had used some of it in First Contact and people yeah. liked it in that. So I think what they tried to do was they tried to emulate it again because uh, Freaks did direct this one too, right? He didn't direct yes, this. Yeah, all yes. right. So he directed yeah. this one. Um, so I have a feeling that he probably wanted to bring more of that levity that they had in, uh, first contact to this one, um, Mm -hmm. mostly because of probably how, like, how dark really the background is. I mean, you know, and, and, and next generation has done quite a few of these where like, there's been like forced relocations. Like there was the one with, um, um, towards the end of TNG with the, uh, the planet, um, the Indian planet. The Native Americans that, you know, Native Earth, what I don't know what they call them in the future, but um, they they were just called Native Americans. Are they? All right. And, um, you know, so they they had to force those people off their planet and they had that whole issue. And then, um, like you said, there was the the relocation in that um, Homeward episode, which uh, now that I'm remembering it, that was actually a pretty decent episode. Um, it was. And then, uh, I, I think there was another one where they like had to like get getting people off the planet or something. I think there was like three. Of, I think uh, there was like three uh, of them. Um, shit. I know which one you mean. I'm trying to think of the name. Yeah, I, I, one where data, like the... data goes down. Data goes down to the planet because there's radiation that would kill the Jedi planet. Yeah, the Jedi planet. Uh, oh, I'm trying to think of. Uh, yeah. And- I don't know the name of the ep- yeah that's right it's the one where uh data has to go because none of the people on the ship can go down there only he can go down there because of the levels of radiation and then yeah. they like attack him or whatever and then there's that trying to help him and then none of them uh, want to be helped then he ends up just leaving say, or whatever I want to say the ensigns of command yes yes that's the one maybe yeah yep okay. it is it is when you said it yeah. I I remembered it yeah that's the uh, Jedi planet where they had the uh, battle droids from Star Wars before they were battle droids from Star Wars. Uh, yep, and Picard yeah. and Troy have to go deal with like the super bureaucratic aliens. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that's yep, a good yeah. episode. We should do that so, I mean, one, dude. Like towards towards the end of TNG, it seemed like they were dealing a lot with like relocation stuff for yeah. for whatever that, reason. Maybe, that maybe it was just because of the. Cardassian War and stuff like that. 
like maybe they just wanted to gear people up for it, but that was all um, set up for that was all set up for DS9 too. All that stuff. Yeah, for uh, yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. But um, you know, well the stuff in season seven was, yeah, because um because it had a lot to do with the Cardassians and um or as my dad likes to call them the Kardashians. Uh <laughs> and uh, did that the first couple times too. Yeah. Uh, and uh yeah, so I mean it kind of seemed like they were but anyway, um yeah, so I th- going back to the whole jokiness of it or whatever. Um I think that's what they were trying to do cuz they had covered like this particular topic so many times in TNG uh yeah. towards the end. I think they started covering it quite a few times in Deep Space 9, but once again, I don't watch Deep Space 9 as often as you guys do. Um, good. Uh, uh, um so I think I think that like, uh, uh, bite your tongue. <laughs> so I think that was kind of like an ongoing topic of of episodes and stuff. So I think he just yeah. kind of wanted to lighten up a little bit, but yep. didn't now, quite work. Here's another thing I thought of while watching this, and this doesn't have to do with the the like larger movie as a whole. But do we think they the writers on that did these movies regretted giving Data the emotion ship at a certain point because? Generations is a major part of the plot, and then yeah. first con and in generations they specifically say it's overloaded, it's burned into as whatever, you can't ever shut it off or remove it, or anything like that. And then in next in first contact, he suddenly has the ability to turn it off, which they said in the movie before that he'd never be able to do that. And then in this movie, he can remove it. So it's just like I wonder if I they. Think, I think they just wanted to play around with it. Yeah. No, that's. Yeah, I mean, cool. I mean, you could. I mean, they could have. Uh, they could have wrote it off as like Jordy helped figure it out with Soon's stuff and um, you know whoever. I mean, they could have even mentioned uh, uh, Brahms. You know that they you know helped you know figure it out or something. I don't know. Yeah. Like you know, I'm I'm sure between because because between generations and first contact. Is I don't know if it's quite a bit of time, but there is some time because obviously the ship blows up in general. Spoilers, I guess. It's if like, you haven't watched it's like two years. Huh? It's like two years. Yeah. So in two years, I'm sure yeah. with all their technology, they probably could have figured out. Oh yeah, you can. You know, we can turn it off this way, or we have to whatever. You know what I mean? And then yeah, we talked the, about you know, the progression of technology on this show before. So yeah. it's not a yeah, it's not completely out of the question. It's definitely yeah. there. I also really like the bit where you finally got to see LeVar Burton without something covering his eyes. Yes, yes, <laughs> that, yes. Like I found that even though I've seen, like I said before, even though I've seen this like ten times probably over the years, I found that moment to be weirdly moving this time around. Like, I don't know, man. For me. For me, for him, for me, seeing uh, seeing the sunrise for the first and last time, to me, that's always magical. Yeah, he's such yeah, a beloved I mean, character for a reason. Yeah, and yep. I mean, he and he likes he likes the idea, and he's talked about this about how it was like a you know a disabled character essentially, you know, because he's blind, and you know that he can't really see. He sees differently than everybody else does. Not so much that he can't see, but he just sees differently due to the visors. But yep. you know, I think I think he just liked um, having the visor and not necessarily, you know, them fixing it because I think they did 
um, was it in First Contact that I think yeah, they he got implants. They, he got implants instead of the visor. Yeah, so I mean, I think that was just because it was it was getting a pain to wear it, or it was getting a pain to keep trying to fit him for it. But well, that, um, he was getting migraines from it. Yeah, too. he couldn't. Yeah, he couldn't see properly, and it was just. Yeah, it, it's amazing so, I mean, that he was able to do anything with the visor yeah. on, actually. Which I mean, you would think that you know, because they're so far in the future, they would figure out how to do implants, I guess. But um, you know, maybe. Maybe it was just a thing that, you know, it's like a visual thing. Like if he has implants in his in his eyes, then you don't know that he is blind. You know what I mean? Just looks like a regular person. So I don't yep. know. Maybe, maybe it was just an aesthetic thing. But anyway, um, yeah, uh, going back to that yeah. moment, that, that was a really good moment where he's like, you know, seeing the sunrise and the sunset and, you know. Yeah, I, it was just. And I did, I did appreciate the fact that, like, and they could have done this. They could have said after this movie, he just has his eyes back again. But it yeah, doesn't I'm, keep. Yeah, I will finish. Sorry for interrupting. Yeah. Oh no, go ahead. I was done. Yeah, I'm surprised that in 24th century they couldn't find a way to, I don't know, regrow his uh, tissue or nerve system or whatever. Like, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility to think they would come up with a synthetic solution. Like we have 3D printing right now. And, you know, we can print out a heart or kidneys and liver or whatever. Like, I'm surprised. with the, oh, sorry. Yeah, like with the 3D printing right now. But it's like even in the 90s, they could have come up with a solution in the future to, you know, regrow or uh, basically, you know, they had replicators. They could replicate a human organ or, you know, nervous system or nerve, eye nerve or whatever. So. And it's not like they had to explain all the science behind it, yeah. you know what I mean? Because sometimes they just throw out, like, random made-up words that kind of explain <laughs> their future science. But, like, yep. even now we have, like, the CRISPR technology which is able to, like, rewrite people's DNAs. Like, if you yep. like, get to the point where you're going to be able to be like, oh, you don't want a baby who has a high chance of getting colon cancer. You know, we can take that out. You know, or you don't want a baby with blue eyes and we can take that out. Like they're getting to the point where you can basically rewrite people's DNA, like now in the 2020s, 2030s, you know, so you would think that in, you know, 25, whatever, you know, 24, whatever, you know, they would, uh, well, 20, whatever, (laughs) (laughs) Um, they would, you know, figure it out by then, you know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And like I said, I just found to go back to the humor thing for a little bit, I think I just found it kind of jarring in the sense of like, there's long stretches where the primary purpose seems to be jokes. And then it's also balanced against this really dark central plot where you're trying to prevent this, this group of aliens from being exterminated. And then, you know, the larger moral questions about the Federation, which kind of gets swept under the rug by the ending. Um, so to me, it was just, and I did look at some of the the uh, the special features on the Blu-ray after watching it last night, and they had an interview with Michael Piller, who actually wrote it, and he was basically just like, yeah, we were under a direction from Paramount to uh, make this film lighter than the last one was. Um, yeah, I- I appreciate the humor in this movie. Yeah, I thought that, I mean, 
a lot of the jokes were kind of like. In... I mean, it was all character based. Like, if you watched TNG, you understood all the jokes. Yep. No, I think it was all like jokes that out of. Yeah, would be simple, would be simple enough for a general audience to be like, oh, okay, you know, because I think that was what they were. Seems like that was what they were trying to do with that. Um, I do think you would have been helped by. Like if they had explained, and maybe you can't do this in a way without, because they wanted to preserve the mystery of what the Sona actually were as long as they could. Yeah. But I could have done with a little bit more explanation as to like why they were that fucked up. Like I said, the teenage rebellion. Yeah. Well, I just meant more the like the why are they constantly getting plastic surgery and all that nonsense, and then Dowdy at one point says they're all dying or something and they don't really get into that at I don't all. Think, yeah, I don't think they said they were necessarily dying, but they, they, their bodies were so so changed already. There was yeah. no way to change them anymore had they uh, waited yeah. just a little bit I, longer. I so. was. Uh, Dougherty said something. Picard makes the point of like, why are we doing this thing where we take the radiation planet just have the sona live there for a while and they'll it'll start reversing and dowardy goes yeah but it would take like, it would take at least like 10 years of exposure for that to do anything and some of them won't live that long yeah well yeah, i don't know I, think, I didn't i didn't necessarily need an explanation but yeah. i would like an explanation for why do they have the hms designation for small uh, spacecrafts they to have me, that? That does, yeah so the uh, spacecraft that data uh, piloted it's HMS Pinafore at one point in the original uh, trilogy series they uh, the crew captured the Klingon uh, war bir uh, bird of prey and they named it HMS Bounty like what does like what does HMS have to do with the Federation? That's the, that's the designation of the British Navy. Yeah. yeah. His Majesty's ship or Her Majesty's ship. So, yep. To me, that doesn't make sense. I'm wondering why they're using it. That's all. Well, well I, they, I, they named it Bounty because... Um, no, I know why they uh, named it Bounty, but why they use the HMS designation instead of the USS? Oh, because um, I think it's because uh, with Khan and stuff, it was... Uh, um it was uh he was like from india and so yep. that's why they use that particular one well i mean the, the book was mutiny on the hms bounty yeah. so there you go but i mean then there's a whole thing about i thought you were talking about shuttlecrafts and whatever there's a whole thing in and i don't know how much the actual televised stuff gets into this but like the the naming convention for shuttlecrafts is generally like the commanding officer of whatever thing it is decides like, well, we're going to name all the shuttlecraft after X. So yep. like on Deep Space Nine, they're all named after rivers and stuff. Yes, uh, they were. Yep. I think on uh, the original TOS, they're all named after scientists. Um, yep. I know that in the, they did a bunch of books with Titan after Nemesis and, and, uh, I'm pretty sure Riker named them all after jazz musicians as an example. Um, so, yeah, 
I did not notice that the the Pinafore was the name of one of those shuttles. That's a neat little. Yeah, it's the one the Data was uh, piloting when uh, when uh, Picard was trying to stop him from destroying the planet or the people or yeah. whatever. It's HMS Pinafore. Uh, why is it named HMS? That's to me that makes yeah. no sense. So that's all I was. Yeah. Well, probably because of the Corey just said because of the the Gilbert and Sullivan production that they also mentioned in yeah, there. The same. Ah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. that HMS Pinafore was the name of the play he was doing. Wow, that was going on. That and makes that's sense. Where that song comes from. Um, that makes sense. Yeah, I just had something and one. Yes. Um, so I, I I did some reading and said that it mentioned that in the last three Next Generation movies, Spiner was hoping to die in every one. Um, yeah. Because he had this, and given that he was probably in his 50s, he had this thought at the time that like he was too old to play this ageless character. So in First Contact, this one, and Nemesis, where he does end up dying... Um, he had pitched the producers on killing him off in each of these films. Uh, in First Contact, he wanted to uh, die saving Picard before the queen. In this one, he wanted to uh, make some sort of sacrifice saving the kids, and then he would have died there. Um, I do think there is an interesting, you know, there is an avenue where you could have had him die here. And then you do one movie, one movie where you have this this crew without him, and you have to see what that's like. because you never really see that. Yeah, I don't know. To me, the I think I mean, yeah, we can talk about the nemesis some other time and uh, how Data died. Oh and yeah, whatnot. that's the whole but uh, yeah, but to me, killing him off was completely useless to a lot of degrees and. Yeah, we can touch on that on at some other yeah, time. At some point, I think we're going to do Nemesis right. too. So. You're going to get a little bit of Josh self checkout action. All right, so sorry if you hear random stuff in the background. No problem. <laughs> <laughs> you can turn your mic off unless you want to talk or something. Yeah. Yeah, it's always kind of funny, actually. Um, yeah, we had one recently where Josh was in like this CVS. Three of them doing like self checkout shit while we were talking. Um, Three. Yeah, I mean, and I also kind of like like the um, like the revisitation of the Riker Troy thing was kind of neat. Yeah. That that worked for me. Was it? You want to pay twenty five dollars for signing up? I could have done. <laughs> Is he in a pet store? <laughs> Justin has gone off the rails. Yeah, the Josh way. Could I honestly could have done without the uh, the lead Baku woman there? She kind of got on my nerves a lot. Actually, I like the Baku woman. It was the kid who got on my nerves. Mm. Teaching Data how to play was actually pretty cool, but I was like. I don't know, maybe, I, I, I mean, I still feel like a kid, I love kids, but it's like, uh, it was a little bit much for me, except the part yeah. where he was teaching data how to play. Yeah, the kid was kind of obnoxious. 
But the whole Picard romance thing, I think, I mean, we rarely see Picard, you know, romance happens, but not often. So I think it, that's always cool to see because he's always so stoic and dignified and proud and married to his work, you know. So yep. it's always good to see something, you know, take away his attention from yep. the ship and, you know, just focus on the women. Yep, Which I hope absolutely. we'll be talking about in the future, too, because he has some amazing women. So, Yeah. Um, and, you know, this, this one goes into that way more. Like, uh, first contact sort of implied a thing between him and Alfred Woodard, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Um, but this one, this one most definitely leads into that way more. Um, yeah, oh, I, I don't think I... I don't think first contact was necessarily a love interest as much as uh, to me it was more of a recreation of the voyage home with yeah Kirk Matt at, in the twentieth uh, century. To me, it was something like that, you know. He was just yeah. fascinated with this woman who was fascinated about the people from the future. Yeah. I also thought it was an interesting choice to uh, to say that the Baku have renounced technology. Not that they were like, not that they were like backwards or anything, but that they they had decided that life without technology was better. Yeah, in many ways, the the movie is kind of, you know, with the times, you know, people even now are talking about, you know, how we need less technology, we need to be, you know, more outside, because we're all staring at the at our phones or digital screens all day long. Especially after the last year, yeah. Yep. Yeah, especially. I just think it gives it a different subtext of, like, you know, I feel like if you did this movie now, right, and they were... And the Baku were just like primitives who didn't have technology and were like just farmers and whatever. People would be bitching about like the whole white savior thing. Like, oh, here are the here are the advanced white people coming in this baby backwards people. But then like the fact that they had all that tech and given More. where they were living and the kind of the kind of experiences they had on that planet were like yeah, we don't really need that. Um, yeah, I did think that was a, an interesting subtext to give it. Agreed. Agreed. Um, I think I think also what I ran into a lot of people wanting uh, Cisco to be the lead on this and not Picard, especially huh. if we had social media. You know what I mean? Because they would have been like, "Why are you doing so much with TNG? Why don't you do Cisco?" What yeah, I mean, something. I would appreciate become the biggest nine movie, definitely. Yeah, I would have liked to have seen. Um, I had read somewhere, and I expressly looked at the the deleted scenes on the Blu-ray to see if this was actually shot. And if it was, they're hiding it. I read somewhere that there was actually at least something in the script about at the end of the film, as we talk about Deep Space Nine a little bit, Quark would have shown up uh, because he thought there was some sort of like profit advantage on this planet and uh, he would have brought Worf back to Deep Space Nine and they, they apparently had I they had gotten Armin Shimmerman to agree to show up to do it uh, but it was either never filmed or they're just they just didn't think it was putting anywhere 
Oh, right. That you know what? Uh, going back to an off off uh, air conversation we had, that was another TNG guy that went to uh, that went to uh, Deep Space Nine, right? Wasn't Quark in a few episodes of TNG or something? No, the, the actor had been on TNG playing other Ferengi. Oh, all right. That's what it was. Nine, but Armin yeah, and he, play, he played Quark at one point with the Riker when they needed something about something, yeah. and Riker called him up in the air by that point. Yeah, I think that was the um, that was like the crossover episode, I think. Yeah, the crossover episode, yeah, yep. yeah, yep. which they were already on D- Deep Space Nine by then. But I just meant uh, like people from TNG that went to Deep Space Nine, it was the Chief of Brian character. Yeah, yep. but he and I, Justin and I had been talking about how, and maybe we'll get into this, uh, get into this for well, it's not much of a conversation really, but that uh, Major Kira was originally supposed to be Anson Rowe. Yeah, but yeah, uh, the yeah, actress we talked about that once too. Yeah, we? Michelle Forbes, the actress, didn't want to, uh, didn't want to star in a show, movies and such, which, uh, which she never did. Yeah, well, she did. That she I, went on to like life movies. Yeah, that's <laughs> which true. I, whatever. And that, that's funny because I liked her, and I, you know, I always thought they there was a missed opportunity to at least not have her show up on Deep Space Nine at some point, um, even just to have her interact with Kira for an episode. I mean, I think that would have yeah. been great. That would have um, been cool. Yeah, and uh, they did actually. She does end up on Deep Space Nine in the in the novels too. Uh, the post series novels, she uh, and would would eventually become the station commander. Uh, so there's that. Oh, she becomes the the station commander of Deep Space Nine. Yes. Oh. Um, yep. Middle of well, I haven't gotten there yet. I'm there's a couple of Enterprise books that I'm still in the middle of. Chronologically, yeah, I've yeah I've I've gotten like um I think I got like two or three Star Trek books, but you know me and books. <laughs> I can I can send you the whole list I have. It might take it twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> well, right now I've gotten through my uh my uh what is it uh. I think six chapters now of that Phil Jackson book. So, of what? The Phil Jackson book, uh, Eleven Rings. Oh, okay. I wasn't sure which one. Yeah, or as uh, Brent likes to call him, Doctor Phil. Uh, <laughs> yep. That's true. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, oh. I I did like this movie better than I had other times watching it yesterday. Um. I think now that it's been enough time has passed since it came out and you sort of, you become comfortable with its place in the franchise now. I mean, I remember this was the only one of the TNG movies that I walked out of like pissed because I was like, they just made us pay theater money for that. Really? (laughs) I can understand that. And I mean, a lot of people didn't like, Nemesis, and there are things about Nemesis I didn't like either. But at least that yeah, looks was... like they, at least that looked like they were trying on a theatrical level, mm-hmm. where this one was just kind of like, this feels like a discarded script from the TV show, and they're treating it like that. Um, well, not to, not to age anybody, but uh, 
when did this come out? 98? December 11th, 1998, which was okay. Was, uh, the right, uh, which you was, might not have been, you might not have been around for this. Uh, oh, I, was, I definitely, I definitely was. I was the ripe old age of eight years old. Okay, I was uh, eleven. <laughs> for for, compa- for comparison, this came out three days before my twenty first birthday. Well, there you go. But uh, yeah, so um, I, I've talked about this with you anyway before that my first my first ever movie I saw in a theater was Generations, and um, wow, yeah, and. Uh, but um, but yeah, so you know, I was a I was a truck fan, you know, when I was a you know little kid, you know, it was on. I can't remember, but because it was in syndication, it was either on before or after Power Rangers. <laughs> <laughs> and here's here's the Power Ranger reference for the, the episode. That's and your, um, there you go, that's your go to right there. Put anything yeah. on before Power Rangers, and you're gonna sit there in front of the TV. <laughs> oh yeah, and then. Like I loved it, you know. They were in space. They were, you know, fighting aliens, and you know, all kinds of stuff. It was, it was really interesting. And then, yeah. of course, Star Trek came. I mean, Star Wars. When I saw the original trilogy, when they released it on VHS, I thought Star Wars was part of Star Trek. <laughs> I was oh, mistaken. Now, because uh, and maybe you know, we could do a whole separate show about this. But if you're like eight years old when you first see Star Trek, right, and you're and you're inroad was tng well I, when you... i first when i first saw Star Trek, i was like four okay but <laughs> when, when you first when you came out when you first saw it at the age where you can derive some level of appreciation for it because for me that yeah. was age 10 right because yeah. i was 10 when uh tng started airing um yeah. if you're eight yeah how the hell did you get through the early seasons of that show without wanting to hang yourself? Because I had, <laughs> well, you know, even at, even at 10, I was like, the first season or two, John, of, I was John, like, it's really boring. John, they well, had funny. Wesley Crusher. They had Wesley Crusher, man. Oh, that's, that's true. Like he was there. That's why like he was there for the kids, man. Well, well for me, it was, uh, they had Deanna Troy. <laughs> But anyway, uh, at eight years old, <laughs> hey. I can't argue that. Um, but anyway, uh, well, actually, I was like super confused because um, I started watching TNG. What I would later find out was the last season, <laughs> and then um, in that summer after they ended the show, um, they started playing repeats. Like, and so I'm like. Who's, oh, that's right. Why, the, last season, the last season would have been like 1994. Yeah, and so I was like, "Why is Jordy uh, and Worf in different shirts?" And I'm like, "Who is this Tasha person?" And I was so very, <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, "Hey, you know, whatever." And uh, you know, I just I just watched it because you know it was something to watch, and you know, I I like the characters, and you know, I thought Riker was cool, and you know, he was always dating the hot chick, and you know. Yeah, wow. no, that's, that's cool. True that, man. True that. And Boris, <laughs> you you got to you said you started with Voyager based on what was available where you are. Yeah, I was also around ten years old, and uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I I could appreciate it, man. I was already into some other stuff. I was already introduced to sci-fi in some other regards. I don't know if you guys ever saw uh, Red Dwarf. It's a UK I sci-fi still show. Still have not seen Red Dwarf. No. Yeah, I, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't seen it, but I've heard of it. 
Yeah, it's oddly weird and oddly interesting and funny in weird sort of British way that I cannot describe. And it's definitely something you have to see to to believe and uh, get in a way. Because there's a guy who's actually a cat on the show. So, huh. <laughs> yeah. And there's also a hologram. There's also a hologram. And, yeah, it's oddly weird. Yeah, multiple multiple ways. Yeah, unfortunately for me, uh, anything that's like British or whatever, I tend to have uh, uh, an issue really uh, getting into it. Uh, you know, I I've I've tried multiple shows. The only one that I've really gotten into was uh, the original seasons of Black Mirror and then um, Luther, that show uh, with Idris Elba, another yeah. Star Trek person. I could um, never, yeah, I never got like, into Luther. It was just, yeah, I like, don't know. Like, like uh, being a fan of The Office, like, people were like, oh, you got to watch the original Office. And I'm like, I don't know how anybody ever liked the show. Like, I could not stand that show. And listening to all those cast men, I, I don't know if it's just because they're trying to be nice and not be like, I hated that. But they're all like, oh, this was fantastic. This was the greatest thing in comedy. And I'm like, Good thing comedy is subjective because I don't know what is going on. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. If you, yeah. If you guys never saw Only Fools and Horses, I totally recommend it. I'm going to go look that up. Uh, yeah. It, it, when it comes to British comedy, Only Fools and Horses is uh, widely popular around the world. And especially in Croatia, it's considered a uh, classic, just like uh, Cheers or Seinfeld would be in the U.S. or even Friends. <laughs> But it's uh, completely different than both all those shows. Uh, I, I mean, it's just about these two guys who are basically, well, one is a smart, a somewhat uh, smart comman, even though he's not all that smart, and the other one is like his stupid younger brother or something like that, and they come up with weird schemes to make money and get quick rich schemes. Uh, which always somehow fail, even though they seem to work in the beginning. But uh, yeah, I think you might find it interesting and definitely, you know, give Red Dwarf a chance. Yeah, I'm going to see where I can find that. If yeah. there's somewhere I can get that from. Um, yeah, so that's kind of the stuff I grew up on. And yeah, uh, Voyager. And just, John, I, I talked about the uh, Voyager and uh, the Road to Avonlea. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, I could understand it pretty much, even though yeah. the more I, I mean, I kind of grew up with Voyager and I think I watched it until season six. I don't remember watching season seven when I was a kid, but uh, then they started, you know, repeating, uh, rerunning uh, TNG and DS9, even though that's the first time I saw them actually. So, huh. Yeah, and I never remember. I never remember them airing Star Trek Enterprise. I didn't even know about that show until 2010. So go figure. Yeah, and it had been over for five years by then. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. I mean, I found out by about it, you know, by chance, really. And I was like, "What is this?" And then I got to see it a few years later. So yeah, that's the yeah, one. Pretty much where I the dropped the show, uh, Trek yeah. stuff. Uh, season one of uh, Enterprise because I was like, Ugh. I'm like, this ain't, I'm out. <laughs> That's the one that brought me full circle as a nerd because Quantum Leap was the first thing I ever watched that probably would have qualified as science fiction. And yeah. uh, I think that's why I gave it a chance because uh, Scott Bakula was on it. But 
was like, nah. yeah. Well, that brings us to, I guess we can talk about what our next couple selections are. Boris, you have the next two. We know what one of those is because we've already talked about that. Uh, we just haven't recorded it yet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we're gonna, so... Our, next, our next show will be uh, Enterprise Season 1, Episode 5, I think. Uh, I think it was four or five. I can't remember, yep. but it was the unexpected. unexpected, right? Yep. Okay, so we'll do that one next, and then you have the next selection after that because I've got yeah. the last. I've got uh, yeah. I've chosen uh, the Matter of Honor from season two of TNG, where Riker oh, goes oh. to Capta to be a first officer on a Klingon ship. Oh, yeah. nice! That's a fantastic episode. Okay, that is really good. Okay. Excellent. Um, okay. Yeah. Delicious. Those are the next couple that we'll be doing. Um, Boris, I'm thinking maybe when we do Unexpected, I might also, if anything particularly interesting in terms of like announcements for future media stuff come out of that convention, maybe we'll talk about some of that stuff a little bit. I could certainly, you yes, know. Yes, yes, Let's do it, yeah. man. Let's do it. I'm thinking they might, I don't know what they're going to, you know, because I, I don't know what else you could possibly announce. They've got like five shows in development right now. I don't know what else you could say. Um, I do know that the second season of Lower Decks starts while that starts while that convention is going on. So they could conceivably. I thought it was in, yeah, I thought it was in October. No, it's next week. Ah, cool. Even better. So Strange New World should be starting soon, right? Yeah, um, I know they're wrapping up filming on that, or they did recently. Uh, I don't know how long the post-production is going to take on that either. Um, it wouldn't shock me if maybe they had, like, the first trailer for that was shown at the convention or something. Yeah, I'm um, probably not going to watch the trailer then, because I, I want to well, watch the show, like, without any, any preconceived notions. Know. Yeah, what I'm curious about with that one is... Not only do I really like Anson Mount's Pike and uh, the new kid playing Spock, um, I'm curious to see how, given how the, the previous CBS All Access stuff has worked, I'm curious to see how they deal with a, something that they at least say at the outset is going to be way more like single episode stories and whatever. And gonna ha it'll have things running through them, but it's not gonna be like Picard and Discovery have been, where like every season is about one thing. Or yeah, it'll probably be like TNG and the original series and stuff, because even the original series had things running through them. Yeah, I'm you sure need that, you need that for character development. So yep, I'm sure it'll have character arcs and stuff, but I'm I'm I kind of miss the idea of like single episode Trek stuff. And I'm intrigued to see how they, how they go about doing that with uh, current sensibilities. Yeah, um, well, how, many, uh, how many episodes is it? Does, probably does know? 12, probably I mean, 10. Most, like, yeah. most of these, like Discovery does like 15 a year, and then I think Picard was 10. Yep, it was. Um, so I'm guessing 13 or 15. Yeah. I also heard a rumor a while back. I mean, I think we already know that season two and three of Picard is a given. Yep. Um, Unfortunately. Because like, I think he agreed to three seasons off the bat. But apparently he's enjoying it so much. And 
and PBS is so with it that I read somewhere, and I'm waiting for it to show up on a a site that's credible that he's already agreed to four and five. To to do uh, what? Well, to do I'm two more se- to to get Picard up to season five. Ah, uh, yeah. I mean, I, Picard is okay as long as you think of it as a parallel universe. To me, I mean, yeah, that's me. That's just me. Yeah, I'm gonna watch it again at the end of this rewatch that I'm doing too, um, and see if it. Yeah, it's not bad, but it's like it's not that old. Yeah, it's no. not. It's not Star Trek necessarily. Like what Star Trek is to me. So I wonder too yeah. if it'll hold up. If it'll if it'll hold up better to binging because like. The Maybe. first three ep- the first three episodes were like the same information given five times, and like waiting, waiting week to week for that, and where you know it's ten episodes, you have to get four before they actually do anything. Um, might invent somewhat, but I'm curious about all the Q stuff. Um, yeah, I mean Q is really the only thing that would interest me out of that show. But yeah, um, same here. Know, like, like, like I, like I. You know, like I told you, John, I uh, I'm not really a fan of uh, <laughs> of Picard. I watched uh, I think the first two episodes, the, okay. the two part premiere, um, and I was not a fan. And then um, I watched the uh, the uh, Riker and um, Troy episode, which that one was all right, but it was still a little weird. But yeah, Boris, let me give you some some context because Justin Justin and I have been debating this show for a long time. <laughs> of course. This one- Take my Paramount Plus password for free to watch the show. That's all right. I'm good. Yeah. yeah. I, you know What's your birthday, by the way? Huh? Oops. When's your birthday? I'm gonna, I'm gonna mail you a fucking either the DVD or the Blu-rays of Picard <laughs> for, for your fucking birthday this year. Just do it for Christmas, man. You can't miss with Christmas. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> but uh, I I, th- I I said this before, John. Uh, I I don't like the way they uh, I don't like what they did with uh, Seven of Nine. That's one of my biggest gripes, and with the whole Data and Data's offspring thing, it was a yeah. bit too much for me. But uh, yeah, I I want to see Guinan and Q and see where they go with them, and hopefully, you know, in the end, the Jerry Ryan comes back as Seven of Nine in one of the other uh, spinoffs or whatever, and they do I her also, better. They do yep. her better. That character I, deserves I, so much more. I agree with you to an extent with that because I I think that they had more intended for that, but maybe it came down to how she was. And it sounds like she's going to be in the season that's coming, and maybe she'll have a larger role in that, and maybe that will, you know, because I do think she was just kind of thrown into that first one, um, and maybe that comes down to maybe she was doing other things. No, I just, was- I just object the, the, to the whole bounty hunting thing. It just. It's not for me. That's not her, you know. And they never yeah. really explained it to the was fullest she- that no, it would I- make sense. Was she a bounty hunter? I thought she uh, something was like, like that. She was doing she something. Was one of a Texas Ranger or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Definitely. Like she was um, helping the Romulans and uh, whatever. It just yeah. to me it wasn't. Yeah, to me it was a missed mark. So yeah. Like I said, I'm definitely gonna watch that again. 
uh, when I get through the rest of this rewatch deal. Um, and maybe I'll break, maybe I'll break the timeline with that. If I'm, you know, by the time they haven't given a specific release date for season two beyond, uh, sometime in 22. So, uh, maybe when the second season's about to come out, I'll just power through the 10 hours again. Yeah. Hey, <laughs> hey, did you, did you finish lower decks then? Uh, no, I, we've been, we've been trying to get through as much of deep space nine as we can. Um, so I watched the first, you remember when she was in New York and we did one of the recorded, I think we did brothers and the wire when Corey was in yep. New York. Yep. Um, I had watched after that, I watched the first three because you, because you recommended them to me and it was really funny. Like I really enjoyed it. And I think it's meant for, uh, Justin, you might actually actually like this one too. I think it's meant for people who, will know all the, the references and all that kind of crap. Like, I'm not um, sure that... Yeah, I've, I've seen I've seen a little bit of it, um, stuff that I've seen on, like, YouTube or whatever, and yeah. um, all that stuff. Like, it seems it seems like it's funny. You should watch it, definitely. Like... Dude, you should definitely watch it. It's just yeah. 10 yeah. episodes, 20 minutes each, and you yeah, will love the Q episode. Q episode yeah. is off the chains, man. Yep. So I've watched the first three. I'm going to go back and, and finish it. Um, I was hoping to finish it before the second season started, but there's no way I'm going to do that now. Um, and I'm also curious whether uh, Corey will like it too. I know she won't get as many of the references and whatnot, but well, there's uh, a, there's I, a lot of there. Like even Riker and Troy show up with the USS Titan. Yep. Yeah, and then they so, uh, hang out on the Titan. Yeah, I've seen, I've seen yep. that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's a fun, it's a fun little show. I think it's only meant for Star Trek fans because if you never watch Star Trek, you will not get a lot of it. So, yeah, unfortunately, this is the Titan show that I was looking for when I was a kid. But whatever, yep. I'll take it. Yep. Yeah, do do uh, it. You will not regret it. Trust me. Yep. My biggest hang-up, as I've said, I think in the other episode where we talked about this. My biggest hang-up at first was how hyperactive the character of Mariner was. It yeah, became, you get used to it eventually. It was very difficult for me to fo even follow her dialogue at first because it was think, so hyper. Uh, I think that's just because like, that's how kids are nowadays, and they yeah. kind of, uh, you know, they kind of just like try to do like stereotypical kid stuff yeah. or whatever. Yeah, yeah and but I, I told... I also and told I, John like they could have come up with a cure for HDD in the 24th century. So, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and she, she's really funny. It's just I, I think I watched the first episode twice, and I did it the second time. I did it with the subtitles on because I could not follow a single thing she said without that. And getting a couple more in, you kind of get used to how it's delivered. And that was, um, I really liked the one. I think the guy's name is Rutherford, where he like he's constantly changing jobs because he's trying to figure out like if he'd rather do something else. And it was all because it wasn't like if they tried to do that in in an actual live action show, it would be because the guy had some kind of like fucking crisis of conscience or whatever, and he wanted to do a different job. But in well, this wasn't show, there, uh, wasn't there an episode of um, I don't know if it was TNG or if it was Voyager. But they had like an episode where like there was this dude that like jumped from like job to job or something. Maybe. Yeah, I uh, that was no, that, that's not it. Sorry. That learning curve yeah. maybe in Voyager where 
Uh, training the Maquis people? Uh, maybe. He's talking about something else. I'll remember um, it. I saw a trailer for season two of Lower Decks. I think Robert Duncan McNeil's showing up. He oh, does. Nice. Yeah, he does. He does. Yeah. Because they had a whole they had a whole scene with Boimler where he was like hallucinating talking to a talking to a Tom Paris plate. I thought it was hysterical. But yeah, he's, I'm gonna uh, try he's to- trying trying to not to interrupt you, but he's uh he's trying to show up in I think Picard. And um, yes, he said yes, that he uh, schedule McNeil? the schedules match up. So I, th- I think he's actually directing an episode, but I don't think he's acting. Yeah, they would have. I think they'd have to stretch to come up with any reason for Tom Paris to deal with Picard. <laughs> Not necessarily. You never know, man. He is but the best yeah, pilot he, around. <laughs> he's a he's a good director, though. I'd love to see him direct a couple of those. Um, well, isn't isn't Picard's whole thing, of course, I don't really watch it. I just kind of know the basics. But isn't Picard's whole thing um, like a, like an off-book mission or whatever? Yep, like, it was. Yeah, yeah. so, it I was. mean, you know, he's well, notorious off book, for off book and Off-book and that Star, Starfleet tells him to go screw. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Go for you're, it. Okay. You're, you're getting the, uh, the first season of Picard as a Christmas gift, so... Yeah, <laughs> I may not be able to sell you on Discovery, but I will at least get you to sit through that one. <laughs> the problem is, is that I, like I told you, I sat, I sat through the uh, the first two episodes, and, and I mean, it's just, it's just not my, um, it's just not I my Picard. Care. I don't care if I buy it for you and mail it to you. You will sit through at least once. <laughs> Thanks. Or we will, or we will teleport to your location, and we will make you watch. And you know what? We we will do a podcast. We will ask you how many lights do you see. We will. If you absolutely hate it, I will give you free reign to sit for half an hour and bitch about how much you hate it. (laughs) (laughs) You at least got to finish it. Hey, you guys are gonna hear uh, Brendan's favorite characters from the last podcast. Are you are you house sitting still? Yeah. So puppies are in their uh, crate right now because I had to run out. So you're gonna hear them barking for a minute or two. Okay. Well, I think we pretty much hit everything we wanted to, right? Yeah. All right. Um. So thank you for joining me, gentlemen. I will see you get together again when I come back from Las Vegas at some point. Yeah, man. Enjoy. Have fun. Yeah. Take lots of pictures, man. I will. I will. Hopefully you get all your, uh, your photo ops. And I mean, hopefully with, you know, unfortunately the, the Delta Quadrant, you know, in real life, spearing up. Hopefully, uh, you know, don't have issues with anybody coming there or guests or anything like that. You no. know what I mean? They're they're going to be very tight about uh, uh, COVID shit during this. I, I, think I didn't want I didn't want to like get us flagged or something. <laughs> oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, they're going to be very tight about uh, Voldemort dur- during this thing. So uh, I I think it'll I think it'll go off without a hitch. But who knows? Like I've said in the chat thing, my nightmare is like fly out there and they literally decide to cancel it as I get to the hotel. (laughs) 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think they'll cancel it that late. Yeah, it's true. But, I mean, uh, unless yeah. there's like you know, Rudy Gobert hangs out in Las Vegas. You know what I mean? He's <laughs> <laughs> too busy again. No yep. All right, boys. Thanks for joining me. All right, man. This was fun. Yeah, man. You're welcome. Yep. Thanks for having us. Yeah, Justin, well, maybe we'll try to uh, get you on a couple more of these. You're actually the first uh, third person we've had. Oh, your brother did one for us. Yeah, um, my brother did uh, show up at one point. Yep. And he's actually going to be joining us for Suicide Squad, maybe, depending oh, on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, cool. I, I, cool. But I can't join the pod that day. Oh, I know. So. It was on Monday. Yeah. I just want to get it done before I go to Vegas. Yeah, no, that's not like I said. You know, do what you need to do, and yep. you know, I've I've been on plenty. You know, I'll be on others. You know, yep. It's not the end of the yeah. Because the, the the HBO Max movies have a time limit, so I want to try to get it done before you know, so people still have time to actually yeah, watch that thing. There was a time limit on those because I went to watch um, oh, what the hell was it? Godzilla, Godzilla it's 30, and Kong. It's thirty days. Yeah. So. Oh well. Yeah. All right, boys. Hi, man. Later. See you soon, Later. dude. Have yep. fun.